إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today's chapter then is going to discuss the topic of raising the hands when making dua. Raising the hands when making dua. رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَى إِنَّ مِنْ آدَابِ الدُّعَى الْعَظِيمَةِ رَفْعَ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ From one of the great etiquettes, of making dua is raising the hands when calling upon Allah. لِثُبُوتِ ذَلِكَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي أَحَدِيثَ كَثِيرَةٌ عَدَّهَا بَعْضُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ فِي جُمْلَةٍ مَا تَوَاتَرَ فِيهِ النَّقْلُ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ الْكَرِيمِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ and that is because it has been established from the Prophet ﷺ in multiple narrations. Some of the scholars have said it is mutawatir. That is a narration that has multiple uh, uh, companions narrating it, multiple chains on it. So it is a well-established narration. Regarding the raising of the hands when making dua. Qala suyuti fi sharhihi litaqreeb al-imam al-nawawi rahimahumallah mumathilan lima tawatara ma'anahu anil nabiyy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-imam al-suyuti in his explanation of Al-Imam Al-Nawawi's book on the sciences of hadith, he said in the chapter regarding the mutawatir narrations as an example, فَقَدْ وَرَدَ عَنْهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ نَحُوْ مِئَةَ حَدِيثِ فِيهِ رَفْعُ يَدَيْهِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ that there are a hundred hadith approximately, نَحْوُ مِئَةِ hadith, where the raising of the hands has been mentioned in dua. وَقَدْ جَمَعْتُهَا فِي جُزْءٍ Imam Al-Siyuti says, he gathered all of those narrations into a, uh, like a booklet. لَكِنَّهَا فِي قَضَايَا مُخْتَلِفَةً فَكُلُّ قَضِيَّةٍ مِنْهَا لَمْ تَتَوَاتِرُ But those narrations are about different incidents. They are different stories and incidents where the messenger raised his hands in making the dua. وَالْقَدْرُ الْمُشْتَرَكْ فِيهِ هُوَ الرَّفْعُ عِنْدَ الدُّعَا تَوَاتَرَ بِاعْتِبَارِ الْمَجْمُوعِ But even though they are different incidents, different narrations with different stories, 
the one thing that is common about all of these different narrations is that the Prophet, when he made dua, he raised his hands. So it is mutawatir from that angle that these multiple different narrations all indicate that the Messenger raised his hands when making dua. وَعَقَدَ الإمام البخاري رحمه الله في كتابه الصحيح في كتاب الدعوات منه بابا بعنوان رفع الأيدي في الدعاء عند الإمام البخاري إن صحيح البخاري in the book of الدعوات there is a chapter raising the hands in dua in صحيح البخاري there is a section raising the hands in dua. وَأَوْرَدَ تَحْتَهُ عَنْ أَبِي مُوسَى الْأَشْعَرِ قال, And he mentioned in that chapter from Abu Musa al-Ash'ari رضي الله عنه دَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ ثُمَّ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ وَرَأَيْتُ بَيَاضَ إِبْطَيْهِ he mentions that the Prophet ﷺ made dua and that he then raised his hands to such an extent that he could see the underarms, the whiteness of the underarms of the Prophet ﷺ. He could see the whiteness of the underarms of the Messenger from when the Messenger raised his hands in making dua. وعن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال رفع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يديه وقال اللهم إني أبرأ إليك مما صنع خالد In another version or another hadith in Al-Bukhari once again it highlights very clearly and explicitly رَفَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَدَيْهِ That the messenger raised his hands and then made the dua, اللهم إِنِّي أَبْرَأُ إِلَيْكَ مِمَّا صَنَعَ خَالِدٍ That I declare my innocence to you from what Khalid did. وَعَنْ أَنَسٍ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ حَتَّ رَأَيْتُ بَيَاضَ إِبَطَيْهِ That he raised his hands until I could see the whiteness of his underarms. وَقَدْ أَشَارَ شَارِحُ الصَّحِيحِ الْحَافِظِ بْنُ حَجَرْ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ إِلَى كَثْرَةِ الْحَدِيثِ الْوَارِدَةِ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي هَذَا الْمَعْنَى وَذَكَرَ جُمْلَةً مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ فِي ذَلِكَ And الحافظ ابن حجر رحمه الله تعالى He mentioned or pointed to multiple ahadith that have this meaning within them that indicate the raising of the hands when making dua. Some of them are, he mentions the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu qadimat tufayl ibn Amr على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال إن دوسا عصت فادعوا الله عليها 
فاستقبل القبلة ورفع يديه فقال اللهم اهدي دوسا This is mentioned in Al-Bukhari but without the wording of raising the hands but it is in Al-Adab Al-Mufrad by Al-Imam Al-Bukhari as well This hadith of Abu Hurairah where he mentions that At-Tufayl ibn Amr came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said to him that those, the tribe, they have transgressed. So make dua to Allah against them. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam raised his hands and said, Allahumma hadi dawsan, O Allah guide those. So the hadith highlights, رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ he raised his hands in making that dua. And there are several other narrations here mentioned as well. Hadith Aisha radiallahu anha annaha ra'at an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yad'u rafi'an yadayhi yaqul Allahumma innama ana bashar in this hadith as well, hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, that she saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam making dua with his hands raised. Making dua with his hands raised. And he was saying, Oh Allah, indeed I am only human. And Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, he said, وَمِنَ الْأَحَدِيثِ الصَّحِيحَةِ فِي ذَلِكَ مَا أَخْرَجَهُ الْمُصَنِّفُ فِي جُزْءِ رَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَافِعًا يَدَيْهِ يَدْعُ الْإِعْثْمَانِ That he saw the Prophet sallallahu raising his hands making dua for Uthman. Wali Muslim and in Sahih Muslim from the hadith of Abdul Rahman ibn Samurah fi qissatil kusuf in the story regarding when the eclipse happened the story narrated here by Abdul Rahman ibn Samurah he said fantahaytu إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَهُوَ رَافِعٌ رَافِعٌ يَدَيْهِ يَدْعُو That I came to the messenger, when I got to the messenger, he was making dua with his hands raised. He had his hands raised, making dua. وَعِنْدَهُ فِي حَدِيثِ عَائِشَةِ فِي الْكُسُوفِ أَيْضًا ثُمَّ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ يَدْعُو In the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha regarding the eclipse also, she mentioned that he then raised his hands making the dua. وَفِي حَدِيثِهَا And also in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentions regarding when the messenger made dua, for the deceased of Al-Baqi'ah, في حديثها عنده في دعائه لأهل البقيع. 
That he raised his hands three times. ومن حديث أبي هريرة الطويل في فتح مكة. And then in the long hadith in Sahih Muslim uh, of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu regarding the conquest of Mecca when Mecca was conquered by the Muslims فَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ وَجَعَلَ يَدْعُو He raised his hands and he began to make dua. وَفِي الصَّحِيحَيْنِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ أَبِي حُمَيْدِ في قصة ابن اللتبية in the hadith that is in al-Bukhari a Muslim uh, 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 from Abu Humaid regarding the story of ibn اللتبية he says ثم رفع يديه حتى رأيت عفرة ابطيه يقول اللهم هل بلغت in this hadith again it mentions how his hands were raised until the narrator says, I saw his underarms and he was making dua, Allahumma, oh Allah, have I conveyed. And also min hadithi Abdullah ibn Amr, anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama dhakara qawla Ibrahim wa Isa farafa'a yadayhi wa qal, Allahumma ummati. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned the statement of Ibrahim and Isa, and then he raised his hands and said, Oh Allah, my ummah, making dua. Wa fi hadithi Umar, kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idha nazala alayhi al-wahi, yusma'u inda wajhihi kadawiyy al-nahd, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ سُرِيَّ عَنْهُ فَاسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَ وَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ وَدَعَى That when the messenger, revelation used to come down to him, it used to sound like the, the buzzing of a beehive. And when it revealed upon him one day, one particular day, uh, and then it was removed from him, he then, when the revelation completed, he then faced the qibla and raised his hands. فَاسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةَ وَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ وَدَعَى He then faced the qibla, raised his hands and made dua. So you can see there are so many narrations, so many ahadith, showing that when the Prophet wasallam used to make dua, he would raise his hands when making dua. There is also another famous hadith in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and Sunan Abi Dawood from Salman al-Farisi. Radiyallahu anhu, he said, Anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, Inna rabbakum that your Lord is, has the shyness and generosity. And Allah is shy that He should uh, return 
the hands of a servant who raises them in dua, empty. That Allah returns you empty-handed. That Allah does not wish to do that. Allah is shy that a servant raises his hands making dua, and Allah returns them empty-handed. So Allah does not return them empty-handed. But the point here is, إِذَا رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ Now when a person raises his hands and makes the dua. فَهَذِهِ الْأَحَدِيثِ وَمَا جَاءَ فِي مَعْنَاهَا تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مِنْ آدَابِ الدُّعَاءِ الْعَظِيمَةِ رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ إِلَى اللَّهِ So these are hadith and others that have come in their meaning, they indicate that one of the great etiquettes of making dua is raising your hands in doing so. وَأَنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَسْبَابِ إِجَابَةِ الدُّعَاءِ وَقَبُولِهِ and that raising your hands when making dua is one of the causes for the dua to be answered. وَدَلَّتِ السُّنَّةِ أَيْضًا أَنَّ لِرَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ صِفَاتٍ ثَلَاثٍ تَرْجِعُ إِلَى نَوْعِ الدُّعَاءِ فَإِذَا كَانَ ابْتِهَالًا وَهُوَ شِدَّةُ الْمُبَالَغَةِ فِي الطَّلَبِ فَلِرَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ فِيهِ صِفَةٍ وَإِذَا كَانَ دُعَاءً وَمَسْأَلَةً فَلِلْرَفْعِ فِيهِ صِفَةً وَإِذَا كَانَ اسْتِغْهَارًا أَوْ تَوْحِيدًا وَتَمْجِيدًا فَلِلْرَفْعِ فِيهِ صِفَةً يُوَضِّحُ ذَلِكَ وَيُبَيِّنُهُ مَا رُوِيَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Also in the sunnah it highlights that you raise your hands in different ways depending on the type of dua you're making. That you raise your hands in different ways, depending on the type of dua you're making. And it's mentioned in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma. Al-mas'alah an tarfa' yadayka hadwa man kibayka aw nahwihima. Wal-istighhar an tushira bi-isba' wahid. وَلِبْتِهَالْ أَن تُمُدَّ يَدَيْكَ جَمِيعًا That if you are asking for something, you're requesting something from Allah, making a dua for something you want, then raise your hands to the level of your shoulders. Raise your hands to the level of your shoulders if you're making dua for something you're asking for. And if it is forgiveness that you are asking for, you're making istighfar, then it's mentioned that within that dua, you raise your finger. That you raise one finger during that dua that you are making, you raise your finger when seeking istighfar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if it is that you are uh, uh, begging for the mercy of Allah and seeking some a respite from Allah in an affair, then in that case, you outstretch both of your hands. In that case, you outstretch both of your hands. وَفِي لَفُظْ هَكَذَا لِخْلَاصُ يُشِيرُ بِإِصْبَعِهِ أَلَّتِي تَلِلِبَامِ This is an indication of your sincerity when you point with your index finger. وَهَذَا الدُّعَاءِ فَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ حَذْوَ مَنْ كِبَيْهِ and the dua that you make normally asking Allah for something, then you raise your hands to the level of your shoulders. 
وهذا الابتهال فرفع يديه مدا when you are imploring Allah for an affair then you raise your hands outstretched قال شيخ بكر بن عبد الله أبو زيد حفظه الله معلقا على هذا الحديث وقد جاءت الحديث من فعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مبينا مقام كل حالة من هذه الصفات الثلاث لا أنها من اختلاف التنوع وبيانها كالآتي and these uh, hadith about the different levels of where you put your hands there is a further explanation for them firstly one scenario there are three scenarios you could say the first scenario المقام الأول مقام الدعاء العام ويسمى المسألة one situation is your general dua that you're making you're asking Allah for something you're making dua for something success in your exams or whatever it might be you're making dua asking Allah for something وَهُوَ رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ إِلَى الْمَنْكِبَيْنِ أَوْ نَحْوِهِمَا ضَامًّا لَهُمَا بَاسِطًا لِبُطُونِهِمَا نَحْوَ السَّمَاءِ That you have your hands joined together facing up to the sky. That they are joined together ضَامًّا لَهُمَا بَاسِطًا بُطُونَهُمَا نَحْوَ السَّمَاءِ So they're up to the level of your shoulders with them together up to the sky. Facing upwards together to the level of your shoulders. Or roughly about that level. وَإِن شَاءَ قَنَّعَ بِهِمَا وَجْهَهُ وَظُهُورِهِمَا نَحْوَ الْقِبْلَةِ وَهَذِهِ يَصِفَةُ الْعَامَّ لِرَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ حَالَ الدُّعَاءِ مُطْلَقًا وَفِي قُنُوتِ الْوِتَرْ وَالْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ أَوْ فِي مَوَاطٍ رفعهما الستة في الحج أي في عرفة والمشعر الحرام وبعد رمي الجمرتين الصغرى والوسطى وعلى الصفا والمروة وغير ذلك So this first type this first scenario is when you are making the general type of dua your, your dua that you are making for your affair in that type of general dua, you have the hands together, you have them facing upwards, and it is also mentioned that you can have them whereby the outer sides of your, the top of your hands are facing towards the qibla, or that they are flat and they are facing, the insides are facing upwards, at the level of your shoulders. And this is the general type of position of your hands when making your general dua. The second type was when you are specifically seeking forgiveness. When you're making istighfar. In that scenario, known as the al-ikhlas, when you are sincerely seeking forgiveness for something, وَهُوَ رَفْعُ إِصْبَعْ wahida, And that is the raising of one finger. السَبَّابَةِ مِنَ الْيَدِ الْيُمْنَى Your right index finger. وَهَذِهِ الصِّفَةِ خَاصَّ بِمَقَامِ الذِّكْرِ وَالدِّعَى حَالَ الْخُطْبَةِ عَلَى الْمِنْبَرِ وَحَالَ التَّشَهُدِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَحَالَ الذِّكْرِ وَالتَّمْجِيدِ وَالْهَيْلَلَةِ خَارِجَ الصَّلَاةِ And that, raising one finger, is only 
When somebody is doing the khutbah, the Friday khutbah, he may raise his finger during the khutbah. Or when you are doing your tashahud, when you're doing your tashahud, don't you raise one finger. The finger is raised in doing the tashahud. Or generally when you are doing the glorification of Allah, or the shahada, you say it, La ilaha illallah. When you're doing the general extolling of Allah and the praising of Allah, you can raise the finger there. Al-maqam al-thalith, al-ibtihal. When you are, uh, uh, when you are begging Allah for an affair, you are, uh, um, when you are in a state of absolute poverty before your Lord, and you are in a state of begging your Lord for an affair, then this type of scenario, التضرح والمبالغة في المسألة ويسمى أيضا دعاء الرهب وصفته رفع اليدين مدا نحو السماء In this one then, you raise your hands stretched out towards the sky. And your underarms can be visible then. They will be visible as you stretch out your arms with your hands facing to the sky. وَيُقَالُ فِي وَصْفِهِ حَتَّى يَبْدُوا عَضُدَهُ هَيَرْتَفِعَانِ مِنَ الْمُبَالَغَ فِي رَفْعِ So your arms are raised up. Your arms are raised up when you do this. When you're in that type of dua. And those kinds of dua are going to be in situations of extreme severity. Like a, 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 a situation of a, a, a famine. A situation of a famine or something severe of that nature, you would make the dua uh, of this kind, and then you would outstretch your arms, until your arm, underarms can be visible, are visible, and you raise your hands to the sky, asking Allah in that time of extreme necessity and need. So that is initially highlighting the evidences that dua is done with the hands raised, and also the different levels of raising the hands. Then, مَرَاتِبُ رَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ So this is now going to talk about the, the different levels or types again of raising the hands in the dua. مرة معنا أيضا صفات الرفع في الدعاء وأنها ثلاثة بحسب نوع الدعاء فإذا كان الدعاء اكتهالا وتضرعا فإن رفع اليدين يكون بمدهما نحو السماء حتى يبدو بياض لبط وَإِذَا كَانَ دُعَاءُ دُعَاءُ الْمَسْأَلَةِ فَيَكُونُ رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ إِلَى الْمَنْكِبَيْنِ يَنُحْوِهِمَا وَإِذَا كَانَ دُعَاءُ اسْتِغْهَارًا وَتَمْجِيدًا وَثَنَاءً فَإِنَّ الرَّفْعَ يَكُونُ بِإِسْمَعٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَهِيَ سَبَّابًا مِنَ الْيَدِ الْيُمْنَى وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ عَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكٍ رضي الله عنه أنه قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يرفع يديه في شيء من دعائه إلا في الاستسقاء There is a hadith though where it mentions from Anas ibn Malik that the Prophet ﷺ never used to raise his hands when making dua unless it was the rain prayer. That he never used to raise his hands in making dua unless it was the rain prayer. When there's a drought and you make dua for the rain, he said that's the only time he used to raise his hands. 
فذهب بعض أهل العلم عملا بهذا الحديث إلى أن الدعاء لا يشرع فيه رفع اليدين إلا في الاستسقاء فقط So some scholars based upon this narration therefore said it is not a sunnah to raise your hands when you make dua unless it is the dua you're making for the rain, the rain prayer dua. أَمَّا سِوَى ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْأَدْعِيَةِ فَلَا يُشْرَعُ فِيهَا رَفْعُ الْيَدِينَ They said otherwise, it's not legislated because the hadith of Anas seems very clear. The messenger only used to raise his hands in the rain prayer. However, لَكِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مُعَارَضٌ بِأَحَدِيثَ كَثِيرَةٌ دَالَّةٌ عَلَى مَشْرُوعِيَّةِ رَفْعِ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ فِي غَيْرِ الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ But this hadith is opposed by multiple other ahadith that indicate the permissibility of raising the hands in dua even outside of the rain prayer. وَلِذَا يَقُولُ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَّةِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ وَالصَّحِيحِ الرَّفْعُ مُطْلَقًا And what is correct is to raise the hands generally at all times in dua. فَقَدْ تَوَاتَرَ فِي الصَّحَاحِ Because it has been mentioned in the authentic books of hadith on multiple levels and narrations. أَنَّ الطُّفَيْلَ قَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنَّ دَوْسًا قَدْ عَصَتْ وَأَبَتْ فَدْعُ عَلَيْهِمْ فَاسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةَ وَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ You remember that narration at the beginning? That the messenger when he made dua regarding dose, that he raised his hand and made that dua. And that was not a dua for the rain prayer. That was for something completely different there. So that's a proof that the hands... They are raised in the dua generally for all the different types of dua that a person may be making. It is not only, it is not restricted only to the rain prayer. And you remember the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha where she said, لَمَّا دَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِأَهْلِ الْبَقِيعِ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتِ now when the Prophet ﷺ made dua for the dead people in the graveyard of Al-Baqiyah, for the deceased in Al-Baqiyah, he raised his hands when he made dua for them, making dua to Allah of course, for them, asking Allah to forgive them and have mercy upon them. When he did that, he raised his hands. So now he was making dua to Allah, asking him to forgive them and have mercy upon them. It wasn't a dua for the rain. And he raised his hands in it. So this is again another proof that the dua, you can raise your hands in it even if it is something other than for the rain prayer. So Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar jama'a bayna al-hadith faqal jumi'a baynahu wa bayna ahadith al-bab wa ma fi ma'naha bi anna al-manfiyya sifatun khasa la aslu raf'a فَإِنَّ الرَّفْعَ فِي الْإِسْتِسْقَاءِ يُخَالِفُ غَيْرَهُ بِالْمُبَالَغَةِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ تَصِيرَ الْيَدَانِ فِي حَظْبِ الْوَجْهِ Ibn Hajar said, the hadith of Anas 
it is not saying that the messenger never used to raise his hands unless it was the rain prayer. What it's actually saying is that the messenger never used to raise his hands in the same way that he used to raise them for the rain prayer in any other dua. Because in the rain prayer, he would stretch them out, properly stretch them out when making dua for the rain prayer, that the hands would be at the level of the face, stretched out with your arms. And he wouldn't stretch them out like that for other du'as. For other du'as, you would put them up, etc. But the rain prayer, they were outstretched far and to the level of the face. So Anas was saying, anhu, that the messenger never used to raise his hands in that way, outside of the rain prayer. Outside of the rain prayer, he would stretch them and raise them in other ways, not to the level of the way that he did it for the rain prayer. And in that way, then you can combine between the narration of Anas and the other narrations. And here at the end, Ash-Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala says, رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ عَلَى فَلَافَةِ أَقْسَامِ there are three different things to remember when raising the hands in du'a, three concepts, three things or methods that people will do. Al-qism al-awwal, ma waradat bihi sunnah Fahada zahir, annahu yusannu fihi al-rafa' Mithlu du'a al-istisqa, wal-du'a ala safa wal-marwa, wa fi arafa one type is where it is evidenced in the sunnah that you are supposed to raise your hands. For example, when you do the rain prayer, or when you're doing the sa'i on safa marwa, you're supposed to make dua on safa, then on marwa every time you get to each side. Or on the day of arafah, those are all clear in the sunnah, you raise your hands making those duas. Al-qism al-thani, مَا وَرَدَ فِيهِ عَدَمُ الرَّفْعِ مِثْلُ الدُّعَاءِ فِي الصَّلَةِ وَالتَّشَهُدِ الْأَخِيمِ There are certain types of dua where we've been told in the sunnah that there is no raising of the hands in it. For example, when you're in prayer, during the prayer you're making dua, there are certain parts when you're making dua, like in the Fatiha even you're making dua. Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Do not guide us to the path of the misguided and those whom you anger is about. You're making dua in the Fatiha. But in the Fatiha, you're not raising your hands when you're making that dua. In other parts of the prayer, you're making dua, but you're not raising your hands in the prayer. In the prayer, you have it on your chest or you have them on your thighs. Your hands, you're not raising them during the prayer for your normal prayer. So in those kinds of instances... You make the dua without raising the hands, the sunnah says. And the third type, al-qism al-thalith, ma lam yarid fihi al-rafa' wa la adam al-rafa' Where it has not been mentioned whether you're supposed to raise the hands or not raise the hands. فَهَذَا الْأَصْلُ فِيهِ فَهَذَا الْأَصْلُ فِيهِ أَنَّ مِنْ آدَابِ الدُّعَاءَ أَنْ يُرْفَعَ أَوْ أَنْ يَرْفَعَ الْإِنسَانُ يَدَيْهِ so then the default or the origin, the fundamental, the principle in that regard is that you raise your hands. It is from the etiquette of the dua that you raise your hands. ثُمَّ إِنَّ رَفْعَ الْيَدَيْنِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ فِيهِ مِنَ التَّذَلُّلِ وَالْخُضُوعِ وَالْإِنْكِسَارِ وَالْمِسْكَنَةِ 
وإظهار الحاجة والافتقار إلى الرب الكريم ما يكون سببا لقبوله وإجابته And when you raise your hands that is a sign and an indication of you showing how much you are in need of Allah You raise your hands like begging from Allah shows your humility and submissiveness to Allah and your your poverty and need to your Lord that you raise your hands as though you are begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer your dua so it is from the etiquette and good to do that Al-Imam As-Safarini rahimahullah said qala al-ulama inma shur'a raf'u al-yadayn fi du'a li ziyadati at-tadhallul that it has been legislated to raise your hands or making dua to make you feel more humble to make you feel more humble when you're making the dua uh, and submissive فَيَشْتَمِعُ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَحْوَالُ الظَّرَاعَةِ فِي مَقَامِ الْعُبُودِيَّةِ وَإِذًا فَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ رُبَّمَ عَجِزَ عَنِي قَاضِ قَلْبِهِ مِنَ الْغَفْلَةِ وَلَهُ قُدْرَةِ عَلَى حَرَكَةِ الْيَدِ وَاللِّسَانِ فِيهِمَا فَكَانَ ذَلِكَ وَسِيلَةٌ إِلَى خُشُوعِ الْقَلْبِ وَقَدْ قَالُوا حَرَكَاتُ الظَّوَاهِرِ تُوجِبُ بَرَكَاتُ السَّرَائِرِ وَهُوَ نَذِيرُ رَفْعِ السَّبَّابَ فِي تَشَكُّدِ الصَّلَاةِ فَيُوحِدُ الْجَنَانَ وَيَتَرْجِمُ اللِّسَانَ وَتَزَكِّيهِ الْأَرْكَانِ Basically here it mentions that physical actions can impact and influence and help you with your internal state So when you are raising your hands like that, that is something physical that you do that enables you further to have a greater focus and submissiveness in your heart by doing that physical action. Just like if you raise your finger, it's going to make that impact in you, the remembrance of the Tawheed of Allah. So these physical actions, by raising the hands like that, it has an impact in you internally as well then, that it then stirs you internally to be upon a greater degree of submissiveness to Allah when making that dua. That brings us to the end of that chapter regarding the raising of the hands. Uh, inshallah ta'ala, next time we'll continue with further chapters uh, on the dua. And one of those chapters is going to be about some of the mistakes that people make when raising the hands. Some of the mistakes people make when raising the hands. So we'll conclude upon that for today. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Any questions or anything to add? Ustad, uh, when we uh, make dua in sujood, uh, is it permissible to make dua in one's own uh, native language, for example, Urdu or English? Or is it necessary that we make dua in Arabic? When a person is making dua in the prostration, if it is a personal dua, you need to ask for something specific to yourself, and you don't know how to say that in Arabic, then it's permissible to make that specific dua that you need in your language, even in the prayer. If you have a specific dua you need to make for something, you can do that. It's permissible. So, is there any kind of proof of congregational dua? There is no proof to do that after the prayers and things that people do. After the prayer, the imam does dua, everybody does it with him, ameen, ameen, they say together. There is no proof for that, and no proof for it, because there isn't a single hadith, not a single one, 
that when the Prophet finished the prayer, he turned around and made dua, and the companions were all doing it with him. How many hadith are there about the prayer of the Prophet? So many companions narrated about how the Prophet used to do his prayer. Now a single one of them said, and after the prayer he would turn around and do the dua, we would do it with him. If the messenger used to do that, there would be at least one companion. Not just one, there'd be many of them. There'd be so many companions narrating the hadith, that after the prayer we would do dua together. That's a big act of worship. How could there not be a single hadith about it? So there isn't any hadith because the messenger never used to do that with them. He never used to do congregational dua with them after the prayer. So it is not a sunnah to do that. There's no proof for that. There's no evidence for that. You're not going to find any hadith where the messenger turned around after the prayer did dua together with them all. Is there any proof of like, they say that if 40 people come together and make dua together, it's more likely for it to be answered because... Someone sat in that congregation so pious, might be because of them. There are some narrations about 40 people, like about the janazah prayer. If 40 people of Tawheed, they pray the janazah upon someone, then it's accepted. But generally like this, 40 people coming together and making dua, it's the same argument again. If that was a sunnah, then how come Abu Bakr and Umar and Ali and Uthman and radiallahu anhum, how come none of them ever used to get 40 companions together, sit down and do dua? It's very easy, the religion. If somebody says, this is a sunnah, then have a look. If this is a sunnah, did the, the Prophet himself. Why didn't the companions used to say to the Prophet then, that you sit with us and do dua because of you, then it's likely the rest of us, our dua will be accepted. And even after he died, how come the other companions didn't come to Abu Bakr? And say to him, to Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum, the big companions. Why not say to them, you sit with us, let us please all make dua together as a 40 because of you. Maybe our duas got more chance of being accepted. How come never they did it? Never any of them did that. And this is a proof, therefore it can't be sunnah. Because if something is a sunnah, who would be the first people to have done it? The companions, they wouldn't have missed out on any sunnah. If they knew this was a sunnah, and it would bring them closer to Allah, and their dua would be answered, they'd be the first people to go and do it. So why didn't they do it? Because they knew it's not a sunnah. So anytime anybody claims something is a sunnah, ask for the evidence, and ask, did the companions used to do it? Did the messenger used to do it with the companions? If you can't find any of that, you know this can't be a sunnah. This must be something somebody has interpreted, and they've misinterpreted it. Because you can't find the companions doing it anywhere. Same as this Al-Mawlid now, the Prophet's birthday. Same, exactly the same. If they say there is evidence and evidence and evidence, but you say, okay, all these evidences you say you've got, didn't Abu Bakr know about these evidences? Didn't Aisha radiallahu anha know about these evidences? How come they never celebrated the birthday and they love the messenger more than we do? Why didn't they celebrate it? Did they not know these evidences? Are you more knowledgeable than Abu Bakr and Umar and Aisha radiallahu anhum? Cannot be the case. They didn't celebrate it because it wasn't a sunnah to do. That's why they didn't celebrate it, the companions. Hmm. Uh, the dua at the end of the khutbahs in uh, Jumu'ah, um, is there anything, there's not anything specific narrated about raising the hands and Sheikh Taymiyyah's third point about yeah, in general dua, is that not uh, applicable there? Yeah, in general dua, raise the hands. General dua, you raise the hands. But in the khutbah, when the imam, maybe at the end of the khutbah, he may make some dua. Very common, an imam may make some duas at the end of a khutbah. 
But in those du'as that the imam is making, it is permissible for a person to say ameen to them. But there is no sunnah in that scenario for people to be raising all of their hands with the imam as though it is now a congregational du'a at the end of the khutbah. You're allowed to say ameen because it's a du'a somebody's making, you can say ameen to that du'a. Khatib is making a du'a, you can say ameen to his du'a. But to raise your hands and then make it look like it's some type of congregational thing you do at the end of every khutbah, then that makes it a problem for people. They think this is a sunnah now at the end of the khutbah we do a congregational du'a. So you wouldn't raise your hands, but it's permissible by yourself, quietly, because you're not supposed to speak in the khutbah. Only to yourself. Just completely to yourself, you can say the ameen. Anything else? This we mentioned it last time about the uh, Yawm al-Jumu'ah and the dua being answered and one of the hadith was talking about when the imam is giving the khutbah at that time. But when he sits down, you mean between bang and khutbatain. There is no sunnah, any sunnah anywhere about doing any specific dua bang and khutbatain that is sahih. There isn't any specific dua that is mentioned at all. Like uh, that the companions used to say this dua or that dua or the messenger said do this dua or that dua. There is no established sunnah for a specific dua bain al-khutbatain. So maybe there is some narration but Allah alam about whether it is sahih or not. As far as I know there is no sahih narration about doing dua between the two khutbas of the imam. Hmm. General dhikr. General dhikr possibly. But there's no uh, uh, sunnah to do something specific. So if a person didn't do anything, you just sit there quietly, silently, until the imam sits down, gets up again and starts again, no problem, completely okay. There is nothing in the sunnah that you have to say anything or read anything in between the two khutbahs. Hmm. In the witr you can raise your hands, because there are specific narrations about that. But otherwise in the prayer, like the shaykh said, you don't raise your hands for general... Uh, uh, Du'as in the prayer. So then, uh, in Malaysia, they are on the Saturday in Witr, not in Witr, in the Fajr prayer. Yeah, the Qunut. So they do that every time. It's not a sunnah to do it every day, but go on. But if they're doing, if they're doing that, do you follow the Imam in doing it? Or do you not do it because it's a, yeah, it's a bid'ah? It's a mushkila. I mean, it's not supposed to be done on a daily basis, but I think the Malaysians are Shafi'i. Yeah. So this is, this is the reason why uh, 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 they believe it's permissible to do it on a regular basis. But it's not, uh, the evidences do not indicate the permissibility of it being done on a daily basis. But if you're there and you're behind the imam, then you have to follow the imam. You follow the imam. Anybody else? Um, Maybe you can say that not necessarily, it depends on the situation. If, if there's other people, they do it, and nobody's got a problem with it, then you should implement the sunnah. But if you go to a mosque, they're severe. And if they see one person raising their hands, all the congregation, everybody else is going to start shouting and screaming at you, then you can leave it. But most of these mosques, nobody's going to say anything. Everybody does it, even Amin. A lot of these mosques, they don't say Amin. The imam doesn't say it, people don't say it. But there's always a few in the congregation, they say it. Nobody says anything. So you can do it. Implement the sunnah. Nobody's doing anything to you. 
so uh, some of the mobile carrier companies they they lease mobiles to you, and they also include like the mobile data plan in that, and then they lease you for like two years, and then you keep paying monthly, and at the end of two years, like you can mm. basically buy the mobile. So does it come under like having two transactions? Maybe transaction? uh, it depends on how the contract is worked out exactly, but maybe. If it's a contract where you pay monthly and at the end of the contract you own the phone, it could be two deals in one, possibly. I don't know how the contracts work. But if, if, if that's how they are, then it could be like a car when you lease it and at the end you own the car as well. It could be. It depends on how the contract works exactly. If you have the imam in certain issues where people have different... But why would anybody want to lease anywhere these days? You can get these pairs, you go monthly ones like £4 a month, huh? Five pounds a month, unlimited minutes, unlimited data, whatever it is, five pounds, six pounds a month. But anyway, huh? If you're praying behind an imam and he's doing something that's different to the way that you, you know, maybe you follow a different opinion or yeah, you know, it's something that he doesn't do that's um, it's a sunnah, but it's not a you wajib know, or looking. Is it better to follow the imam in the way he prays or? You can do, and there are scholars who do uh, have mentioned those kinds of things, like Sheikh Al-Albani and Sheikh Bin Baz. You know, something which is uh, like a difference in, a, in the prayer, like, like Jalsatul Istiraha, for example. When you pray one raka'ah, and you, you do your prostration, sit up, do your second prostration, and now you've done one raka'ah, you're going to get up to pray your second one. When you do your second prostration, are you supposed to sit for just a second and then get up? Or from your second prostration, are you supposed to just get straight up? Difference of opinion. Jalsat al as they call it. Difference of opinion. Some scholars say after your second prostration, you sit. You do sit for a second, then you get up. Others they say, no, you don't sit at all. After the second prostration, just get up straight away. You don't stay there at all sitting. Get up straight away. So imagine the imam takes one opinion of those two. It's possible you could say, okay, I'm going to do it the way the imam does it whilst I pray behind him to implement the hadith in the majority of imam And there are scholars who, who mention that type of thing, Sheikh al-Bani, Sheikh bin Baz. But that's only those kinds of issues where there's a few differences. Not something severe. Like uh, uh, the, the imam puts his hands below his uh, uh, navel, then you wouldn't do that. Because you know the sunnah is clear that the hands should be up on the chest. But these kinds of issues where there are some differences, maybe. Anything else? Positioning of the hands—is it incorrect to have them separated, or should they be together? In most of these uh, methods, they are mentioned as being together. In most of the methods, to be together, joined together and then raised. But uh, you know, with these things, these sifat of raising the hands—it's not like your dua isn't going to be accepted if you had a gap in the hands. But to implement the proper sifa, most of them are put the hands together. All right, we'll conclude upon that for today. Resume next week, inshallah, as close as possible to 8.30.